0: Now number one for podcasting.
1: The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon.
2: What? One more to go. It's Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Ken stepping aside here for a few minutes, kind of taking my baby under my wing. This is an idea came up last week as we were trying to figure out in this ever-changing world, what we were going to talk about in sports. And I came up with this idea every day for the foreseeable future. We're going to look back inside of our state borders and some of the great teams in sport history. We are this week we have talked about the Elite 8 team from Iowa State basketball. We talked about the 2002 Iowa football team that made the run to the Orange Bowl. Yesterday had a chance to talk with Austin Arnott, and we talked about that first team with Paul Rhodes and what they were able to do getting to a bowl game after losing their last 10 games of the season the year previous and getting to a bowl game and beating Minnesota in the Insight Bowl. Today We're going with the Northern Iowa Panthers. It was a decade ago, that's right, 10 years ago, when they shocked the world and they beat the number one overall seed, Kansas Jayhawks. We've seen number one seeds go down. We've seen them lose in the round of 32. This wasn't the first time that it had happened, but the impact of it and have it happen with a mid major program like Northern Iowa and doing it against the number one overall seed. Not all number one seeds are created equal. And you'll see this one and the domination that we saw at times out of this Kansas Jayhawks squad throughout 2010 and the way that you and I went toe-to-toe with them. So we're going to dive through it. We're going to talk about the season. We're going to look back at what we saw in this year and what a season it was for you and I. Just an incredible run. A team that came in with expectations. This wasn't an out-of-nowhere kind of season or anything like that. There were expectations with this squad. They go 30-5 and five in the year. during the season overall. They win the MVC Conference Tournament. They went down there as the number 1 seed, the champions of the regular season. But in the non-conference, it got off, in fact, to a rough start. Even with those expectations, they knew that they were going to have to put together a very solid resume to get themselves in consideration to be an at-large team. We've seen in this recent history, as we look back to 2010, the MVC was still as you knew it for a long time. Creighton was still there. Wichita State was still there. It wasn't the Wichita State that they grew into, though. That's another thing to remember. But still, you had to have a very nice season overall in order to get in. They had an opportunity early on. They went down to the Virgin Islands to play in an exempt tournament down there after their opening win against Denver. What do they do? They lose in the first game to DePaul. Because of that, they don't get some of the bigger opportunities that would have been on their schedule and on their resume. And then they won the next two games. In the grand scheme of things, didn't really help the resume all that much. East Carolina and Boston College. They win at Hilton. They beat Iowa State 63-60. They throttle Iowa in the McLeod Center. I think a lot of people remember that game very vividly. Fred McCaffrey being ejected from the McLeod Center at the final game that was played at the McLeod. But that was going on. They continue. They win the rest of their games at the non-conference. In MVC play, just three losses. Road games against Wichita. Bradley in Evansville, the second-to-last game of the year. They go into the conference tournament, though, with a 25-4 record. They beat Drake in the quarterfinals. Yeah, a little bit different than what we saw a couple weeks ago. Bradley in the semifinals, and then just a dominating performance against Wichita in the championship. Our first audio clip, though, going to take you to the tournament and afterwards. This was broadcast by CBS. Dick Enberg was on the call, which was... Crazy as I was listening through that yesterday and, and hear Dick Enberg and that just unbelievable voice that he had. But afterwards, Ben Jacobson on the floor being asked where the Panthers going to be seated in this NCAA tournament.
1: Where do you feel you should be seated in the tournament? Oh, I think
2: there are a lot of games to be played still. You know, I think we're probably somewhere, you know, in that five, six,
1: seven in there right now, depending on how games turn out next week. Congratulations. Okay, thank you.
2: Five, six, seven, something in that range. That was not the case. The Panthers were not a 5, 6, or 7. The reason for it, well, a couple of different reasons behind it. The non-conference strength of schedule, though, a big component of that. That didn't turn out to be, overall, what a lot of people look for to move up into those seed lists. That was a big problem there. The numbers this season, Jordan Eagle Seeder. He was out there as the leading scorer on the squad. He was incredibly good throughout the year. Eagle Seeder, for that season, he went out there and put together... Uh, let me find it here as we uh, scroll back through the numbers. There it is. All right, I was on the wrong page. Adam Cook, in fact, was the leading scorer. No, it was Eagles either. 11.9 points per game, seven rebounds. Cook was right behind him at 11.75 rebounds. The MVC Player of the Year. Your other starters, Kajoa Helgba Jr. and Ali Farouk Banesh, along with Johnny Moran. Off the bench, Lucas Arrear, the tough guy. Freshman, Jake Cook. You saw Kerwin Dunman for, Dunham from Banner Ferrar. Farrar. little Mark Sonnen, Anthony James, both those guys played at least a little bit during their freshman campaigns. That was the squad and the depth of the team. Talked about this a little bit with Ken earlier, and that's something going back. I just remember how deep this team was, and and though it was that group of five, six, seven guys at the top, they could go even deeper, and that's what made it a little bit different. I was very disappointed, though, as I was going through and looking for highlights and looking for numbers, is I really couldn't find anything, at least audio or even video-wise, from the UNI-UNLV game. That UNI-UNLV game was absolutely incredible. It was back and forth. UNI would get the lead, then UNLV would come back. It was it was what you'd anticipate. Out of an 8-9 game, it came down to the wire in the end. But in this one, Ali Farouk Manesh, well, you'll get to know that name a lot better, I think, across the country in the next game. But he hits a big shot late in the game to give the Panthers the lead. It was tied up at 66, but with just seven seconds left, Ali farouk makes the three-pointer on the pass from Johnny Moran. Moran was open. He could have taken the shot. farouk was more open. The extra pass that led to it, you and I, in a game they didn't play great. 16 turnovers overall, had some leads in the game, let them slip away, but they get it done and get the victory against the eighth seed, UNLV. It was no five, six, or seven seed, It was a nine seed for the Panthers. Because of that, what do you get? You get the Kansas Jayhawks in the second round of the tournament, round of 32. Let's go to the call on CBS. Jordan Eagle Seeder getting things going early. Eagle Seeder, the 7-footer, with a rebound by Cook, an offensive rebound for Northern Iowa. A much smaller team than Kansas.
1: And they're going to have to get some offensive rebounds, and they're going to have to make some threes. But Eggleseeder has only made one three-point shot all year long. I don't know that he's the guy you want hoisting those threes. What do I know? How about that right there, right off the bat,
2: the senior from Bellevue, Iowa, Jordan Eggleseeder, puts it through from three. Eggleseeder with the triple there. Missed that first shot. You heard it clang off the rim. Dan Bonner saying you don't want him shooting the shot. He takes another and hits his second three of the day. You and I races out to a 10 2 lead. I was watching this game in Sioux City. I was with my wife up there, my girlfriend at the time. We were watching the game at a sports bar, and it was crazy. In Sioux City, it wasn't people. Yes, you're in the state of Iowa, but at the sports bar we were at, it was not you and I fan base. It was a Kansas fan base. Why? Kirk Heinrich. Makes sense, right? Kirk Heinrich, the Sioux City West Star, going on to Kansas, and a lot of people frustrated throughout the day. You and I gets that ten to two lead early. Kansas comes back, but the Panthers again respond in the first half with another three.
1: Manesh with a couple threes on Lucas rear screen.
2: Manesh has now hit five consecutive three point shots. That's going back to the game against UNLV. He was heating up as the Panthers jump out to an eight-point lead in the second half. But here comes Kansas. Every time they'd have a big charge, though, the Panthers would have a response here. They got it back within three with five minutes left, and this was the time where it felt like fun game, great run. But here comes Kansas. The number one overall seed is going to flex their muscle. Adam Cook has different ideas. Adam Cook
1: dancing with marquee points. Big time, big shot put in by the conference player of the year. His first field goal with his fifth point right there
2: since five minutes gone in the game. Adam Cook, player of the year in the MVC in a response in a game where, boy, the Morris brothers, they did a great job of slowing him down throughout, but found just a little bit of wiggle room, stepped through off the glass and in. You and I back up five. Kansas wouldn't go away, nor would you anticipate they would. But the shot that most everybody remembers, Ali Farukhbanesh for three. But listen to the back end of this. This is the forgetting part here. Jake Cook taking a charge.
1: Kansas is going to
2: get the ball back. Northern Iowa is
1: going to have to shoot it before the shot clock runs out. Oh, oh my. Farukhbanesh at three. Goal! You can't be serious with that shot. Collins the other way.
2: Tyrell Reed. To fire. Kevin Harlan's call on CBS. Him and Bonner were just incredible in this game. What a fun one! We can't just give you that part of it, though. We also got to give you the radio call. Audio quality, maybe not the best, but let's go to the sports guy, Gary Ryma, his call in the final minute of the UNI Kansas game. Oh, there it is. I I, I love so many components of that. The kaboom, of course, is incredible from Rima. After the shot, though, he's hollered at him to play D. Offensive foul. It just, oh, man, what a call. Gary Rima as always, doing a great job in that one. As the Panthers get it done and they shock the college basketball world, as they beat the number 1 overall seed and move on to the Sweet 16 with a 69-67 win against the Jayhawks. To the Sweet 16, this one, uh, a lot of what-ifs. We're going to be talking with Ali farouk coming up early on. It was all Panthers.
1: And Ben Jacobson, uh, it's almost like a line change in hockey when he substitutes. There's Cook with a jumper inside the arc. That's for two, but four fresh bodies. Getting ready to come on for the Panthers of Northern Iowa.
2: And you hear it right there the depth of this team, 7 0 early, you and I with the lead. To the end of the first half, and it kept coming up, Panthers late in the half. Kajoik Heligba for you and I.
1: Final shot. Uh, Heligba. Yes! Oh! Wow. How about the defensive effort by Northern Iowa? Michigan State with one field goal in the last nine minutes
2: and 18 seconds, and Northern Iowa was up by seven, 29-22 at the half. You and I with the lead, and really, it felt like at that time, at least to me, I remember it vividly. You and I should have had a bigger lead in that one. Throughout the second half, it's back fourth. forth. Michigan State makes their run. You and I though has a stretch where they go. 10 minutes plus without a field goal. Really the difference. The defense was on point. They were right there. But shots that they had been hitting were not falling in this one. Credit to Michigan State, no doubt. But down to, here's a name I think a lot of people in the state will remember, Corey Lucius against the Panthers for Michigan State.
1: Back outside, 9 on the shot clock. 95 seconds to go. Lucius, spin, oh. fade away. Oh.
2: Starting and confidence Ooh. raftery on the call along with uncle vern vern Lundquist. 59-52 the final final score did not indicate just how close that game was that lucius fadeaway spin move jumper gave michigan state a 55-51 lead frustration what if that is always going to be lingering you and i ends the season at 30 and 5 they don't get their shot against tennessee in the Elite Eight, had a chance to go to the Final Four. But what a season it was. You and I Panthers, 2009, 2010, our team of the day here as we look back at history at the great teams inside our state borders. We're going to dive a little bit deeper coming up next. Ken will join me as we're going to talk with a Panther from that squad that hit that big shot against the Jayhawks, Ali Farouk Manesh. He's up next as we take you home until noon. It's Miller and Condon, 1460KX Sanoa now. 10...
1: Kansas is going to get the ball back. Northern Iowa is going to have to shoot it before the shot clock runs out. Oh, my. For Oakmanesh, a three. Good! You can't be serious with that shot. Collins the other way. Tyrell Reed.
2: Offensive foul. There was the call from CBS 2009-2010 UNI basketball team. Ken Miller, we uh, talked about the squad a little bit earlier. We're trying to track down Ali Froakmanesh. He's got a couple of young kids that he's uh, working with at home right now, so uh, we'll see if he's going to be able to join us. But what a squad that one was. And that call, another one, talked about goosebumps yesterday with Paul Rhodes inside the locker room after the game against Nebraska. I still get goosebumps listening to this one, too.
0: That was an unbelievable call, Trent. It really was. And, uh, I, you know, I don't remember Rima's call. I mean, I'm sure there was a kaboom or two that were thrown in, but yes. it had to be equally uh, as riveting as as, as Harlan's was. But uh, what, what a spectacular – I mean, Bill Self to this day says it was a terrible shot, and a lot of basketball coaches would probably say, what's he doing shooting the ball from there at that particular point? And don't forget, I mean, he started out on fire in that basketball game, but yeah. it missed like – I don't know, was it five or six in a row before he finally hit that shot at the end? And what a, I mean, as big a shot as the tournament's ever going to see. For them to be able to win their first round game and then match up with Kansas and the number one overall seed, who was 33-2 and going into the basketball game, that one knocked them out of the tournament and killed most people's brackets.
2: Yes, it did. Uh, As you said, the number one overall seed with that one. I do have the RIMA call. Do you, do you want to hear the RIMA call? I played it here. Yeah, just... absolutely. What do we got? The audio quality is not the best. This is taken off uh, basically a wave file, but you'll get the gist of it here. You'll get to hear RIMA. There's a lot of great pieces to this. The call from RIMA against Kansas. <laughs>
1: thirty seconds left. to
2: Reed. Reed's gonna try. He'll give it off. Ran over a panther. Oh, 55. Oh, 55. Oh, 55. Ran over a panther. I love
0: that part of it. It's Unbelievable. Ran over a panther. And play D. Play
2: D. That one is awesome too. Yeah, the, the play D as he's hollering at the guys to get back <laughs> down the floor. Jake Cook drawing that charge. That, that was still. It was still a four-point yes. game in Kansas. They had chipped away. They got it within one a couple of different times. You and I was struggling with the press, and that's a harbinger of things to come in future seasons against Texas A&M and even this season against West Virginia. But, boy, that one watching pretty much that thing is on start to finish. You can find that on YouTube, and as mentioned, it'll be coming up on CBS Sports Network next week. But seeing that game, watching that game, I had the feeling, though, early on, Eagle Cedar hits the three right away. He takes two, hits the yes. second one after an offensive rebound. They're up 10-2, to and they're just firing right back at Kansas every single time. I didn't have a doubt throughout that game that you and I could win the game. Not that they would, but they could win this game. Right. It wasn't a ah, nice start, but they're going to get clubbed. I never had those feelings after the initial minute of the game.
0: No, they were a very confident lot Trent and you're right about Eagle Cedar and hitting that big 3 and that lead that they started uh, that they got off to and they you know they made Kansas realize very early that they're in for a fight and they didn't back down for the rem- for the remainder of the basketball game. Player of the year, Larry Bird player of the year in the Valley, Adam Cook was uh, in foul trouble in that basketball game and his minutes were were limited. Uh Jay Cook, his brother, picked up a lot of those minutes and uh a really struggled to shoot the basketball in a big way. He was one for eleven. As we talked about, Farouk Manesh was hot to begin and then, you know, went cold all of a sudden. And then but uh, at, when it counted most, uh he make the shot. And this is a good Kansas team trend. the Morris brothers are on that team, Sharon Collins, Cole Aldrich I'm uh, missing some guys, but there. That this was a really good Kansas team, a Kansas team that would send a bunch of guys into the uh, NBA. You know, there's a really good piece that was pr- um, published this morning at The Athletic. And if you are one of those sports fans listening to us that have, you know, you hear Trent and I talking about The Athletic all of the time. Uh, and you haven't pulled the trigger yet. They are actually offering. It sounds like you and I get paid to endorse them and we don't. <laughs> we just love it. Um, that they are offering a three month, I think it's a 90 day trial to first time, su- first time subscribers, if you will. I don't know. You know, a lot of those things you have to put in a credit card and then you have to cancel mm-hmm. before the 90 days is, I don't know if that's the case. I mean, you and I both pay for it, but I know that, um, you know, if you're stuck at home as a lot of people are and you're looking for something to read and if you're a Panther fan, there's a really good recap of that game at the athletic. And again, it's a 90 day free trial that just started yesterday. So take, a uh, take some time and, uh, and read some of the very talented, uh, sports writers that have made it uh, over to the athletic. I think you'll feel the same way Trent and I do that it's well worth uh, 299 or 399 uh, a month. But Trent, the whole season for that team, right? This was a, this was still a Missouri Valley conference that had the two heavy heads. Yep. I mean, Wichita State and Creighton are still part of the league at this time. Northern Iowa would win the regular season. They just, they cakewalked through St. Louis. I mean, they just they kicked you know what and took names in St. Louis, and then first round of the uh, of the tournament, they struggled to beat the UNLV team uh, in what would have been uh, that would have been an eight nine game, and then the winner to meet Kansas, and we saw what would happen before they would get to the Edward Jones Dome and eventually lose to Michigan State. But wow, what a team and what a league it was with uh, Wichita State and Creighton still residing in it.
2: Yeah, Creighton that year, they were the four seed in the conference tournament. They didn't even make it to the semifinals. They got beat by Bradley. I was at that conference tournament down in Arch Madness. It was a lot of fun, and you're right. It was just dominating performance after dominating performance. The defense that that squad played, of course, they're not going to be a quick pace team. It was a Ben Jacobson team. So efficient, though, on the offensive end. The depth of the squad that they had on and on and on. But I want to uh, jog your memory here and see if you remember much from the 2010 season. The way that thing played out, the tournament played out, and it's not crazy if you want to really dig deep here that you and I not only could have beat Michigan State and beat Tennessee in in the Elite Eight to get to the Final Four, but even further than that, because this was the year Duke beat Butler in the national championship game. We very well could have had Mm -hmm. you and I, Butler, in one semifinal. It was Duke-West Virginia in the other one, and and we know how, how close Butler came. It's just... It's crazy when your mind yeah. plays that in this one and done setting how quickly things can change. Duke, Butler, I'm sure you remember the shot from Gordon Hayward that I can't believe that thing oh, still didn't absolutely. fall. Absolutely.
0: No, absolutely. It was it was remarkable what a career he has had. Whether it be used, oh, obviously banged up. I mean, come through some or some horrible injuries. Uh, Hayward has, but no, I remember well, Trent, and you know the Tennessee game that was uh, as we talked about in the first segment of the show today. Just how athletic Tennessee was. Um, such a inc- I mean, it just blew me away. Certainly would have made for a good uh, elite eight game should the uh, Panthers have been able to beat Michigan State, and they gave them all they wanted. They gave them all they wanted. And I remember Izzo coming out early and sitting by himself on the bench, and he'd probably never seen you and I in person mm-hmm. uh, before, and he, you know, he was just taking it all in, and he was, he never looked at his team at all. It was all. He was sitting and he was watching you and I, watching them go through the lineup and trying to get in in his own mind maybe some of the strengths that he was able to glean from watching that. But, boy, oh, boy, what a spectacular year those guys had. And Farouk Manesh and Eagle Cedar and Lucas O'Rear and just all the guys that comprised that team going to St. Louis the way that they did. And that's when still, Trent, as, as you well know, you were there, I was there. That's when the Scott Trade Center for that tournament was just... As good as it's ever been, right? And I'm not sure it's been as good since with the two big fan bases in Creighton and Wichita State. Uh, both, but it was hard to get a hotel room back in those days. It was really difficult. You had to, you know, handicap it in your own mind. Who's going to be, uh, you know, playing on Thursday and might free up a whole bunch of rooms because there's no way they're going to get to Friday. And if they do, you know, you 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 want to you want to book yourself into that hotel because you know, in, in all likelihood, it's going to empty out, but. I love that term. I told you this story before, right, about the bar that I stumbled. We used to stay at the Drake Hotel. I don't remember what it was called. It was a boutique hotel really close to the facility. But just to the north of it, about two blocks north, was an Irish bar. I think it was called the Dublin or Dubliner. and It's no longer there, but I, I got to know the owner a little bit because, you know, I walked into the bar. I found the bar. I took a seat at the bar, ordered my, at the time, I was probably, I don't know what I was drinking. Um, but whatever I had, uh, and then he, the owner comes around, the, around the corner of the bar and there's a big, beautiful oak bar. He's got a racing form. (laughs) So I realized very quickly that, uh, you know, I would found my place and every year I went back and I stayed there. But one year I was there. They walked a pig. And if you've got kids in the car that are listening or at home, um, they walked a pig through the front door. Right. A pig through the front door, through the bar and back into the through the kitchen. And I guess just outside the back door where they proceeded to butcher the pig. And pork chops are then on the menu, and I remember, you know, getting talked. Oh, you got to try. There's nothing like a fresh pork chop. And all right, I'll get. I mean, I don't know if I've ever looked at one the same since. It's certainly not Iowa pork. Give them a plug, but you know that's one of my memories of St. Louis. That's a true story. Absolute true story. Walks a pig through the front door through the bar. And everybody turns around and they first of all they can't believe what they're seeing. Right. That here comes a live pig and just like eh, not, nobody's business, just business as usual out there, through the bar, out the kitchen we go and and uh, the poor pig met his demise. And was uh, somebody got out a piece of chalk and wrote it on the chalkboard as that was the special of the night.
2: Ten years ago today was uh, the upset with Kansas beating, uh, getting beat by the UNI Panthers in that one. Doesn't look like we're going to be able to get Ali on this week, but uh, certainly going to try to track him down in the coming weeks and get his perspective on that. Another thing that I'd I like to do in this series, Ken, is to talk to these guys about maybe some of those forgotten stories, the ones that us guys in the media never got. It's that, that's, that's always fun to dig a little bit deeper and get those kind of things from each of the guys.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, there, there's always, every season's got some of those, right? That, uh, whether we didn't know about or some of the things that we kind of heard that had happened and, you know, we never got clarity on those and maybe the, uh, the 10-year moratorium on telling those stories (laughs) has worn off and the embargo and they're able to discuss them. But sure. I mean, Trent, we got nothing but time. I think this is a perfect opportunity to, you know, to relive some of those teams because you know, as you well know, one season goes and another one comes and you put that one behind you and you focus on this one and then rinse and repeat year after year after year. But if we don't have the here and now, uh, this is an opportunity to look back at some of those teams that moved the state of Iowa, whether you're a Panther, a Bulldog, a Hawkeye or a Cyclone.
2: Well, and uh, four years ago today, another I tournament game, not as fun. It was March 20th, 2016. Up 12 with 44 seconds left against A&M. That one, just watching it unfold, that was, I had a sick feeling just watching it, not because of, you know, it's my alma mater, things like that, just about the fashion that it happened. You're that close to going to the Sweet 16 after hitting the half-court shot two days before against Texas, that meltdown, it's... It's not even a fun one to watch. I would I would love to get a Texas A&M fan and, and have a chance to talk to them and get their perspective because just the way, I mean, that is ripping your heart out, losing in that kind of fashion.
0: It was historic, Trent, and all the things that had to fall in line for them to get to that point. It was the last game on a Sunday night, was it not? It was, yep. Was it not the the late game on Sunday, the tournament was going to, I think that that brought down the curtain for uh, for that weekend of the tournament. Just um, yeah, unbelievable, heart wrenching, and maybe that's one of the things we look back at some of those not bad beats, but just uh, you know uh, games that will leave a mark. And certainly there'll be a number of those throughout the state that we can focus on.
2: No doubt, we'll reschedule with Ali for Okmanesh here in the coming weeks and get him on as we relive today, two thousand nine, two thousand ten, the UNI Panthers. Quick time out. We'll come back. Put a cap on things as we come back. It's Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, and now 106. He can
1: Kansas is going to get the ball back. More than Iowa is going to have to shoot it before the shot clock runs out. A oh, ball. my. For Luke Banesh, a three. Goal! You can't be serious with that shot. Collins the other way. Tyrell Reed.
2: Offensive Offensive foul. Oh, the highlight one more time, CBS. Ten years ago today, Ali farouk Manesh hit the three, heard, not just across the sports world in the state of Iowa. This was one that has lived on for a very long time as he joins us here today. Ali, good to catch up with you a decade ago. Oh, boy, how things have changed. Take us back to that one, and thanks for joining us today.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me on. You guys really, really dated me on that by saying ten years ago, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, no, it's 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 been fun reliving that memory and um, kind of just just seeing all the things that are popping up on on some social media's things and whatnot. It's been uh been fun to kind of relive the, that moment.
2: It's uh, a game that I remember vividly. I'm a U and I alum. I was watching it with my now wife, my girlfriend at the time. We met at Northern Iowa. We were in Sioux City, and that, that's where she is from. And as we're watching the game in Sioux City, we're in a sports bar, and it was one of my first times ever being in Sioux City, and. I'm shocked because it was a decided majority of Kansas fans in there. And then I remembered Kirk Heinrich. And, of course, that made at least a little bit more sense there. But we're in the state of Iowa, but it wasn't a whole bunch of Panther fans in there. It was a bunch of Jayhawks. Made it feel even sweeter as he hit that shot. And then Jake Cook on the back end of that, taking the charge there. Your three, I think a lot of people maybe their memory is misremembered, thinking that was a game-winner or a clincher. Kansas is still within four there and coming right down There was plenty of time for the Jayhawks to still come back.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think um, if you you ever see the shot, um, you can see as soon as I make it, I'm actually sprinting back on – well, as fast as I can sprint, I'm sprinting back (laughs) on defense. Um, So I wasn't even thinking it was over yet or I wasn't getting excited or anything, Uh, wasn't putting a three to my forehead or whatnot, Um, literally just sprinting back on defense. And then once Jake actually stepped up and took that charge, that's when – that's when all the emotions came out. That's when the excitement happened. That's when the realization of of what that shot meant and what that Jake's play just did for our team to, to be able to win that game. You know, another part of
2: this squad, you guys were great throughout the year. We've uh, relived uh, some of those big moments, what you guys did early in the season, beating Iowa State on the road. You throttle Iowa at home in the McLeod Center, just on and on and on. How well you guys played, though, really from start to finish, and the MVC as a whole it was a lot different. This was Creighton was still there. They were still a power. They were a five seed that year in the conference tournament. Wichita hadn't quite built up to what they became in the coming years, but the conference, the grind, when you when you think of the MVC going back ten years ago, just what a behemoth it was as a mid major conference.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I mean going in and playing at Wichita State, playing at Creighton, uh, Illinois State was really good at that time too. Um, I mean, it was it was a tough league, and honestly, Drake had just come off their run um, the year, the two, well, two years ago, I guess, um, of winning the Missouri Valley too. So there was um, there was a lot of talent in the league, and it was a it was a grind. Um, and I think it really it prepared us for the tournament. I think that's the huge aspect of these things is is you want to be in a league or put your team in a situation to be playing quality games so that when you do get to the tournament. You're ready to face well. I guess face a Kansas <laughs> team. We didn't play anybody like Kansas up to that point, but you're ready for those moments, and, and they're not they're not too big. And that's what was great about it too is we played. You played Iowa at home, and we beat them by 20. Go to Iowa State, and they had a good team that year with Craig Bracken those guys, mm-hmm. and we had to beat them at Hill and Coliseum, um, and it was a tight game too. So we had played teams of that caliber. I mean, they were in the Big 12, obviously with Kansas. So we. I guess we weren't as scared. We weren't afraid of the moment going into that game.
2: You know, the game before, you hit the three also in that game, would prove to be the game winner against UNLV. That was a a nip-and-tuck game. It was back and forth, close throughout, as you'd anticipate in an 8-9 game, one that just gets forgotten because of what happened against Kansas. But that one down in Oklahoma City two days before against UNLV certainly could have gone either way. And and I loved as I was going back and remembering – the extra pass there could have been an open three. Who was it that passed it to you? Was, was it Moran that had the ball and could have taken the shot and gave you the extra pass to you?
3: Yep, no, it was Johnny. Johnny, um, Johnny whipped it across the floor to the opposite side to me. So it was that was kind of the definition of our team that year. It mm-hmm. wasn't like Adam was player of the year um, in our conference, but um, our four guards averaged between 12 and 10 points. So, I mean, from the player of the year to the fourth leading scorer on the team was a two-point difference. Um, and that's what made our team special is that we didn't have one go-to guy. We had we had four guys that could all make plays, and that's what made us tough to guard. Is no matter what time of the shot clock that one of whoever was on the floor got the ball, you felt good about it. You know, there's some guys that get the ball into the, the shot clock, and you're like, pass it, pass it, pass it. <laughs> um, and we were lucky enough that we had we had guys on the floor that, with the ball in their hands, with five seconds on the shot clock, we we were we were good with, and that's what made us tough to guard.
2: That was O'Rear, right? You were saying to O'Rear, "Get rid of it, get rid of it." He was the guy. Yeah, yeah.
3: He might. Have, I, I guess Lucas might have been the only one that we were saying, "Hey,
2: give the ball up." But <laughs> oh man, his toughness off the bench and just the goofy personality. You know, we we got to learn more and more about this team as the season progressed, and and we got to learn more about this squad. But there were characters inside of us. You got a story from that year, maybe something that you know people haven't talked about. It's been a decade. We're we're past the time that you can get in trouble for anything. Any stories that never got out. That were fun about that season.
3: Yeah, we're past the the, lim- the limitations on right, this, right. So I can probably do, a, do a, look, a good one. But um, man, there are so many good memories from the from that season. Um, I, just, I I remember when after we beat UNLV, um, I was a roommate with Adam Cook, and then Jake, his brother, and Mark were in opposite rooms next to us, and we had a door in between us, so we could go back and forth between our rooms. And um, we're just watching us on on Sports Center and whatnot after we beat UNLV that night you know, it's fun. You get you seen yourself on Sports centers seeing the team and, and whatnot, um, and all the interviews. And then um all, I don't know why this happened, but me and Mark always wanted to wrestle. So for some reason we're we just beat uh we just beat UNLV and we're getting ready to play Kansas and we're upstairs trying to put each other in a headlock and trying to make the first guy tap out. Um so I, I don't know if Coach Jake knew that, but we were probably pretty close to injuring one of us uh, right before we played Kansas. So I don't know if that game was going to happen. With Either me or Mark might have been out after that.
2: That is uh, absolutely love that stuff, and I can just imagine you guys going at it out there. You, you didn't have the wrestling team trying to help out there. Heard stories of the wrestling team and basketball teams, different, different universities getting into tussles together. I'm going to guess your wrestling moves probably would have translated well
3: yeah something I mean i'm I'm a five eleven white guy of stocky so I probably could have been I probably would have been a better wrestler than a basketball player to be honest but built for know, that I don't know if the Panther train was gonna want me to join anytime soon
2: <laughs> hey uh, last thing for you as we were just talking Ken my partner and myself about this squad and I went back and I watched the Kansas game start to finish. I watched most of the Michigan state game, and that one you guys are up seven at the half a hellgba hits a shot right at the horn you're up seven and I remember at the time feeling boy, the Panthers should be up more here. And as the second half progresses, I still maintain you guys were a better team than Michigan State. How much does that game still linger And knowing what could have been in front of you? With Tennessee in the Elite Eight, Butler's playing that year for the national championship against Duke. It was a great run, but it felt like there could have been even more looking back to that Michigan State game.
3: Yeah, it's funny. I, um, through this whole interview, I just got chills when you brought up Michigan State more than anything oh, else. Yeah. Um it's still, it's that, that game still haunts me more than anything else. Like it, obviously the memories of UNLV and the whole season, to be honest. And then the Kansas game mean a lot to me and all of us. But I think you ask any of our teammates, we st- we still talk about the Michigan state game in the sense that we felt like we were supposed to win. And I think if, if you go back and watch that game, um, Adam cook got in foul trouble that game and he was playing really well. And they'd put Raymar Morgan on me. who was a six, eight, guy um athletic defender so they had a smaller guy on adam a lot um and we we were taking advantage of that as much as we could but then adam got foul trouble and i think that really changed the game for us um but i I definitely i still think about that game i still think being being up seven um i still think about all the shots i missed that game um so it's it's a funny thing in sports you you remember the great ones but you always if you're lucky enough and you win enough games, you remember the losses almost more than the wins.
2: It's one that lingers for a long time. Well, it's been a decade, no doubt. Ali, hey, we'll get you out of here on this. You're out there working with Nico at Colorado State. Certainly, such a crazy time in this world with no sports going on seemingly anywhere in our country and across the world, very limited. Uh, what you guys is it just a holding pattern for you on the staff, and I know there's transfers going on there there's all kinds of people making decisions while you guys are are sitting there in limbo. so what's happening for you out of Colorado state?
3: Yeah, I think we're just kind of just in the same boat as everybody else our Our classes all went to online right now um and we're not we're not having our guys come back as of right now. Um, so they're gonna be at home. just I think it's it's safer for them um, right now than getting these kids on a plane traveling around. Uh, to come back. Uh, so we're, we're, we're definitely in limbo and we're going to be sending them workouts and, and whatnot to get them prepared for next year. And it just stinks because you, you want to be able to play. You obviously, you want to be playing right now. Um, and then if you're not playing in two weeks, we'd like to start some spring workouts with guys. But we're just kind of stuck in a hold and it's, you see in the transfer portal going crazy still. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting because you're going to have a lot of kids getting recruited just over the phone. Um, so with past relationships and whatnot, but it will be interesting to see what happens with kids um, where they decide to go um, and if they're going to trust a phone conversation or wait a month, two months before they can actually visit someone on campus. So the college basketball landscape, it was already probably going to change over the next two years, but there's going to be a drastic um, change in, in, in choices in the next month and a half that can change the whole landscape of the next year.
2: It is. And uh, we just kind of sit and wait and wonder what the future is going to hold. Well, we'll still have memories and we'll have those forever. And Ali, you provided uh, one of the biggest ones in our state's history. Thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. I know you got some young ones running around at home, carving out a couple of minutes (laughs) to talk sports. Not a bad thing though.
3: No, absolutely. I appreciate it, guys. I got to go back to playing uh, on the Fisher price hoop now.
2: There you go. Get a couple of dunks in for us. All right. (laughs) That's Ali Frokh from the 2009 2010 UNI basketball team that made that run to the Sweet 16. Before we get out of here, let's get Ken back in as he uh, joins us again from his outpost in Ankeny and a little uh, talk about what we're going to be doing here going forward, an idea that we've been working on.
0: You and I have been given the green light to uh, starting next week. We're going to start on Tuesday. We're going to offer. Airtime for free to a number of our local restaurants, and if you if you own a restaurant and you'd like to participate, what Trent and I are going to do is we're going to line up, you know, the phone uh, phone calls, and we're going to go bing bang boom, kind of like football. Friday night, if you will, when we're going around, you know, getting all the scores from stadium to stadium. Well, we're going to give each of these restaurants a couple of minutes. We'll talk a little bit about their, you know, the restaurant, how long they've been in business, if there's a website, what time their to-go hours are. But you and I are going to be able to do our part. We're going to devote airtime to local restaurants. And if you own a local restaurant and you'd like to participate, uh, come on the air with us live for a couple of minutes and do a, a mini-interview, if you will. Um, the best way to contact us and get in the queue is to simply email, uh, I guess email myself, kenmillershow at gmail.com. And of course, as we said, Trent and I don't have iHeart uh, emails, as we're not employees. We're contract workers. So kenmillershow at gmail.com. Uh, send us an email. We will make sure that we get you on Tuesday or Thursday. And if this is popular trend, we may expand to two, two, three, or four days a week. I mean, it's not like we're missing any sports stories. So Ken Miller Show, Restaurant Radio, starting next Tuesday. Ken Miller Show at gmail.com if you want to be part of it.
2: And it is Central Iowa to go, KXNO, and all the iHeart stations. You can find information, your favorite restaurant coming up this weekend. Want to order takeout, want to order delivery, centraliowatogo.com is where you can find it. That does it for the program today. Thanks to everybody for listening in. Millery Condon each and every weekday from 10 to noon right here on 1460 KXNO and now 107.